This is the one with General Clara. Cyber thing. RTD2. Funny insects. Cyber chess combatants. A golden ticket. And no phone service. It's called Nightmare and Silver. Here we go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hour. Dalek, Cyber, Zood, and Wow! Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whittaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, and welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Podcast. I was echoing. What got in the way? (laughs) (laughs) This one's called N101 Nightmare in Silver. Correct, Mundo. Yes, we are well into our second century. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And reviewing this magnificent episode with me. Magnificent, eh? Well, to be... Uh, hmm. <laughs> you've already heard from him he is diagonally across from me his name is drew back when i cannot be silenced <laughs> <laughs> and across from him and to my right is leon hello hi leon hello and opposite me and next to drew is it's me jim hello hey jim hello jim hi jim everyone's here who are you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also here. My name's Marie. <laughs> Hi, Marie. <laughs> and I'm going to attempt to uh, be less tipsy on this episode than I was in the previous Oh, one. please don't. <laughs> <laughs> 634 is just glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we jump straight into a B-Scout? If you like. We've spent time, well, Drew's spent time working on this B-Scout. We, uh, we should see what he's got to say. Okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? Doc, Clara, and her charges of varying likability and enthusiasm gatecrash Hedgewick's world of wonders. But it seems someone's invented podcasts because nobody visits the old theme park anymore. They soon find that the only show left in town is Wibbly Webbly's grimy wimy collection of curios, prize among which is his chess-playing Cyberman shell, actually operated by Porridge, a Biggles impersonator with a waxy taller brother. While Doc cracks on with being a funny entomologist, stupid future-hating Angie disobeys a direct order not to wander off and joins the punishment platoon. While Clara's got her work cut out stopping everyone blowing up the planet, the Doctor finds himself incorporated into the Siberiad and battling over the last fraction of his brain with a self-styled Mr clever. Will his resistance be futile? B-Scout over, you are welcome. Aren't you just? I think that B-Scout makes it sound better than it was. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Good work, Drew. Thanks very much. Bravo. (laughs) I would say the first 20 minutes make the episode seem better than it's going to be. But, yeah. I'm not going to claim full credit for that. (laughs) For some reason, I had a recollection I've mentioned on this podcast the past few episodes that I had a recollection of this being a really good episode. Despite the, all the children in it. Yeah, my, I mean, my recollection did not hold up. Okay. I, mean, the, <laughs> I be- disagree with past me. Aww. Is it because the previous Cyberman men episode we had was closing time? <laughs> <laughs> so relatively Oh my goodness, is that the good. last one? Well, I think so. It was only <gasps> series ago. Holy moly. Mm. Yeah. Oh, but we've had classic Cybermen maybe. We did have one. Yeah. Which is where the gold reference. Yes, yes, exactly. 
Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what episode that was. Something of the Cybermen. <laughs> Probably. Weakness of the Cybermen. Achilles heel of the Cybermen. <laughs> Possibly revenge. Why don't they just make gold-plated armor and just become indestructible? Yeah, good question. Oh. God's very rare. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair point. Um, but yeah, the uh, closing time, we ha- was that the one we introduced to the Cybermats? And now they've evolved into... Cybermites. Cybermites. Just before you guys arrived today, I saw an interview with Neil Gaiman about this episode. Oh, he was willing to do promo. Oh, he... <laughs> I mean, can we just first acknowledge that Neil Gaiman is a fantastic writer. He's did, super talented. Did Neil Gaiman this episode he wrote this episode <gasps> yeah i only discovered this like what? half an hour ago reading the wikipedia <laughs> entry <laughs> yeah i didn't, I didn't realize that. it until opening credits like oh, oh my goodness of course i remember correctly that this is an excellent episode and then unfortunately the episode happened but in the interview <laughs> i mean with all respect he was maybe a little over enthusiastic about his work <laughs> <laughs> well that was then Looking on Neil Gaiman's website now, the doctor's wife is mentioned prominently, and this does not make the list. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if this one is generally considered a good or bad episode. I'm not sure. Doctor's wife was nominated for a Hugo. Wait, won a Hugo, right? Pretty sure he got a Hugo for for that one. Looking it up. (laughs) Yeah, no, because he apparently, in his acceptance awards speech yeah mentioned that he was doing another doctor who episode oh right okay yeah so he, well, did, he did win it yeah that's bold Th- this is just the start guys i'm gonna be <laughs> back here next year hoovering up your next award in fact i'll just keep taking them as long as you're making them what i was gonna say so he had apparently decided not to according to this video he had decided not to do another episode and then moffat either rings him up or sends him an email or something and he just goes like hi I know that you promised never to work on Doctor Who again, but tell you what, how would you like to make the Cybermen scary? And I would not consider the Cybermen scary in this episode. They've been much scarier in other episodes. I think if, they're, they're quite comic in this episode. Like when he's moving at like super like matrix speed and all the like bullets are flying faster than the people. And I don't know, it just, it was, it was too far. I didn't like it at all. I'd say it was only too far because that never came back again. Yeah, I know. Why would you yeah. move at that phenomenal speed and then the rest of the time just trudge slowly? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're capable of that speed, then you're in the castle before they've even had a chance to pull the moat up. Like, yeah, to make the concept of continually possible and ever-increasing upgrades a scary concept, you have to say they keep those powers yeah. and they get bigger and bigger and better and better rather than it's a one-off and you can rely on them being shit in the next scene. Exactly. You mentioned Cybermats and Cybermites. Cybermites come up in the Neil Gaiman interview in which he goes, so I was I was trying to think, this is my best Neil Gaiman. Oh, I'm really sorry, Neil. Like, I love your work. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> With the exception of this episode where he goes, like, oh, so I, I mean, Cybermats, they used to be a thing and then I was thinking so what can they do everything's evolved like technology's changed so much since like just 10 years ago 20 years ago whatever so we can have cyber mites that one is brilliant quote Neil Gaiman about his idea to have cyber mites oh. that one is brilliant I thought you were saying that I <laughs> no. was like, well. <laughs> he goes so I had the idea for cyber mites that one is brilliant don't, yeah. don't say that I'm let so us, sorry let us be the judge of that Neil see this is how I can't stop myself from believing that in 2013 Stephen Moffat, Mark Gatiss, Neil Gaiman and Neil Cross 
were just so much coke. Just just <laughs> so much coke and so much circle jerking for a whole year. And that's why we got this series exactly as it is with all its flaws. But Neil Gaiman is not part of this circle jerk. He's, he's He was invited back into it. He was invited back. But like, what would you do if you're invited to do anything with Doctor Who? If you're invited to write another episode, would you not obviously do that yeah especially but, when but, the first one went down so well then you're like oh yeah i've got this i can do another like amazing episode yeah that's true lovely. yeah but the phone call went bring 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 <laughs> hello neil it's steven oh. <laughs> why haven't you invested in a newer phone <laughs> 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 bring bring <laughs> because i'm curious and quaint and analog <laughs> and steven asks so neil what do you think about your writing neil says i think it's pretty brilliant steven, <laughs> right answer <laughs> get back in the ring <laughs> <laughs> so did you think the Cybermites were brilliant? I thought the Cybermites, along with so much else about the Cybermen in this episode, and that's like what he, the big thing about this interview was, like how they've upgraded the Cybermen to now be new stuff. But all of it, including the Cybermites, were just even more Borg to me. Like the Borg also have little nanotech that crawl around and turn you into Borg. Mm. They also have the adaptive... Like in Star Trek First Contact, you, you can fire your phasers at them and then after a while they adapt their shields, whatever thingies, to them. And yeah, they have to like modulate the exactly. phasers, don't they, to exactly. counteract it and stuff. So all like those things... We've seen them before. They don't seem super new. But then I read online that actually the Borg were inspired by the Cybermen. So it's kind of a yeah. circular it's not trivia. Unsur- unsurprising. I, th- I think what we were saying earlier, though, is just they didn't decide what one thing or two things or even three things at a push they wanted to change the Cybermen into. They went, let's throw 50 things. Yeah. Do them all in a disconnected fashion. So none of them actually have any merit. So they are super fast. One of them detaches his hand for some oh, unknown yeah. reason. Yes, exactly. The one thing one I did like, his head. Yeah, I, I kind of like that as, as them being a bit smarter and using it as a decoy. That, yeah, was, that yeah. was kind of interesting. But that really bothered me because she went and zapped it with the hand thing and the hand is supposed to like grow up all the circuitry but then you just put it back on again and it was all fine. Well, this again, it's like we're not understanding what they're doing, how they're doing it. There's no explanation. Like his head is still full of all the stuff that exactly. made it yeah. a head before, presumably. So why wouldn't it have still yeah. been zapped? Because they were specifically told to aim at the head. Like, that's the weak spot. And the whole... I mean, that's old Cybermen, and they're only aware of what Cybermen used to be, and now they're more modular. So now, like, the head can spin around and be detached, and the hand can you know, be autonomous. Cybermen without a head in the Pandora Opens, right? That's true. That is true. Yes, that is true. Yeah. I forgot about that. But did we not question that at the time? It's like, they put a human in there. Like, the thing we've seen in the past is they use the human brain in, yes, exactly. in particular when they're up- upgrading humans and then to detach the head is like that literally is taking the brain center they even out. did that with what's his face carpool karaoke they put his head inside one yeah. of those. James Corden that's one yeah <laughs> <laughs> Is that the theme from Carpool Karaoke? James Gordon. No, it's, it's That's own. what you sound like, Drew. That is what spot on, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Singing voice. <laughs> no, I, I'm with Jim. I, I would have liked the 50 things if they had been cumulative and universal. And then they really would have been very close to being unbeatable. The really fast movement again. And then when they're walking up to Clara and the other 
army guys and they're up against the wall and they go so slowly with their arms out. Mm. I'm just about to strangle you. Oh, now I've stopped. Like that should have been in a heartbeat that they would have all been dead. Yeah. This is after we've just seen a elaborate CGI shot of thousands upon thousands of Cybermen waiting outside the yeah. castle. Following the yellow brick road all the way yeah. back to the theme park. And we see six. Yeah. Can someone well, explain that to me? Bullets. Oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. Wait, hang on. Can someone explain to me where are these thousands of Cybermen coming from? Like, why is there this Cyberman base underneath the surface of the planet? The second tomb of the Cybermen? Yes. Well, because it's a planet and you can build a big tomb underneath a planet. Just look at the Salyorians. But who do they, built it? Do they say that in the episode? I missed it. There is a scene where Webley, Cyber Webley, explains a fair bit of what happened in the intervening thousand years, yeah. Webley, is he anything to do with the Cybermen before he gets borged? Or is it? does he just get all this knowledge afterwards? He has nothing to do with them as far as I'm aware. He's just a guy living on a theme park. Yeah. And he doesn't know about the Cybermen. He's just a humble impresario. Oh, bless him. Okay. Because he seemed really sinister after a while. And I was just like, I thought he was supposed to be innocent. And like, he's trapped there too. Shouldn't we be trying to rescue him as much as the children? But why the fuck is he there? Because I got the impression he tried to set up at a theme park that he didn't realise had already closed. He's, he's yep, waiting for his true. left home. Yeah, he's waiting for days. Oh, no, he was. He's, but he's for waited for like six months. months. Yeah. yeah. Well, space is big. Okay, here's another question. Has freaking Porridge been inside that empty shell of a Cyberman for six months? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are they ready to accept guests when clearly they are not in business? Yeah. And yeah. they're desperate for a sandwich. Not that Webley shares the single sandwich with starving Porridge, what the is Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> what is Porridge eating? Like, what is... Uh, what are... Wait. Presumably Porridge. <laughs> <laughs> Webley and Porridge should be sat in a corner playing cards, surrounded by boxes, because they're ready to leave. Yeah. No, it's one of those removal services that pack everything up for you. Oh, right. But yeah. Porridge is happy to... My help. <laughs> <laughs> but Porridge is happy to just waste his life on this planet, right? Because he doesn't want to waste his life on the throne. Yeah. But that doesn't explain... Yeah. And, and also... It seemed as though Begley was hiding from the soldiers who have been cast there for no reason, really. Yeah. Why were the soldiers there? I missed that entirely if it wasn't said. It was almost like punishment, wasn't it? They were there. They even say something to that effect, I think. Yes. Yeah. But pu- punishment like, in what sense? Like, what are they meant to be? It's it's like doing? saying, oh well, we're going to send you to some distant outpost somewhere in in Siberia for whatever disobedience for something. Were they were they, were they on like looking out actively for Cybermen? Because they said we haven't seen Cybermen for a thousand years; they've extinct. Why would they even recognize the Cybermen? Exactly. Why would they still be armies like ready to fight Cybermen for? <laughs> I'm sure there are. These are super good points. I never even considered. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of Tiberian spiral galaxy memorials throughout the rest of the empire commemorating exactly what Cybermen were and the threat. And, you know, we must never repeat our mistakes. If someone, for example, the woolly mammoth has been extinct now for how many years, Drew? Yeah, but the woolly mammoth wasn't all about genocide. But if, well, no, but if you saw one walking towards you, would you think, oh, that's a really good woolly mammoth costume? Or would you think, oh, woolly mammoths are no longer extinct? Like, oh, I yeah, see. Drew. Like, why would your first instinct be to kill the guy in the Cyberman costume without knowing? I don't know. Just erring on the side of caution. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a poorly chosen cosplay outfit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, he's bleeding. <laughs> there are laws against this. But they have a whole planet imploder. Yeah, so on they're them. very ready, yeah. Is there one on every planet? It seems stupid to send someone to a planet that has absolutely no one living there except the people you just sent there. 
understand. And go here. If someone shows up, implode the planet. The <laughs> woman in charge who, ha- who has the voice command for the imploder has been sent there because she didn't implode the last planet that she was put in charge of. Like, this is her punishment. Why would you trust her with this imploder? Everybody gets one. But she's I had one know. and she... <laughs> <laughs> Like, it seems like she should be in the punishment troops and there should be somebody, like, that they trust to be overseeing everything. Yeah, because you commit a worse misdemeanor doesn't make you the captain no, of I'm, the exactly. ship brigade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the woman who was just afraid of everything she, and she's on the radio. She Missy. Goes, can, yeah, Missy. Can I, is it okay if I hide or something? What did she say? I think that. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, but but that sets up probably the best line in the episode. I'm in the army! <laughs> <laughs> so we've already talked about Wibbly Webbly. Mm. He's played by Jason Watkins. Ooh, do we have a Doctor Who connection? We have a few. He's been in W1A, narrated by a David Tennant. Ooh. He was in A Very English Scandal, written by RTD. Mm-hmm. He was in Nativity 3, Dude, Where's My Donkey, with Catherine Tate. <laughs> oh, oh. <geez. laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that old gem. <laughs> I'm talking about Catherine Tate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you calling old? <laughs> He stole an episode of Friday Night Dinner. He's been in loads of stuff and is usually good value, which made him turning into an automaton really early and having nothing to do but stand around. Extremely disappointing. It is, isn't it? It's a bit of a waste. Yeah, I think it's the sort of idea that perhaps works better on the page where he's not as visible. And then it comes to filming it and it's like, ah, crap. Well, we can't do anything about it now. (laughs) Do you think Neil Gaiman in general is, or his writing in general for TV is actually subject to rewrites? Or does the name Neil Gaiman carry so much gravitas that if he goes, here, I've just turned in a script, no one's ever going to touch it? Like, is it possible that he envisioned Webley being a much more colourful, eccentric character, more akin to the, the people living on what's it called? in uh, Wife of the Doctor, <laughs> Doctor's Wife. I don't know. Has anyone seen Good Omens or American Gods? No. Uh, Good Omens, yes. Okay. Have you read Good Omens? Yes. Okay. Yes. Aren't the two supposed to be quite similar? And isn't the TV series supposed to be an awful lot of faithfulness to the book that doesn't really work for TV? Which would imply that he has independence now that to the effect of don't fuck with me, I'm Neil Gaiman. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I haven't seen it. How is it? Is it good? It is good. It, and it is very faithful to, to the book. They've cut bits out of it, obviously, as the, you have to with any adaptation. But no, no, it is very faithful. He's like an executive producer or something on that TV show as well. I, ah. I can kind of imagine actually Good Omens is a massive tangent. Go for we, it. We have to bring it back. But I can imagine that being an okay thing to adapt, actually. Because I've listened to an audio production of that. that I think uh, BBC4 did. Radio 4 did one. And the dialogue kind of lends itself to that. It doesn't have to be lots of internal things you're, you're struggling to get because there's a, a missing narration. Like a lot of things are exposed through people talking because they stand around angel and devil talk, yeah. talking about events and stuff. But I, I Which that, but that's good for a radio show, but maybe it's not that interesting to just watch two people. Well, it may not be, but I'd, I'd oh. think Doctor Who is quite a different beast a lot of the time. Like the Doctor's Wife episode stands out, I think compared to a lot of other Doctor Who episodes. But in The Doctor's Wife, you have, like, all the people who live on whatever that planet... What's the planet called? House. House. All the people who live on House, you would almost imagine them as sort of carnies. And it feels like that's what they're trying to do with Webley. He's oh, even, like, setting can. up, like, this yeah. is my my hall of oddities. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, like, oh, let's never vi- revisit these oddities again. Mm. Let's just have a very quick pan across the room to make sure that the kids are scared. So I'm, what I'm wondering is, 
maybe there was more to this story. I think that's inevitable in making an episode fit into 45 minutes. He's going to have to that's a fair point. run up against the concrete time constraints at some point. Mm. Yeah. Was, maybe maybe true. Stephen promised him a double. Oh. I'm sure not. <laughs> I don't think this would have stretched. I, I think we probably need to talk, stop talking about this, but... Yeah, okay. <laughs> sorry. Carry on, Jim. I, I do think that... What I've read about, because I'd read a bit of um, Douglas Adams, one of his biographies, and he always wanted to get a script into Doctor Who, Mm. and he did, eventually. And I think they're quite hard to get your first one in, and you you write the script that works for 45 minutes near enough, and it takes a little bit of tweaking. But I I do wonder if maybe your next script, especially if you are a a well-known author already... yeah. They're a bit more lenient. It's like, oh, you've submitted this thing. How the fuck are we going to film that? <laughs> we'll work something out. Okay, it's, it's Neil Gaiman. Come on. Um, yeah, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. 250,000 Cybermen on a <laughs> Tivoli planet, you say? Yeah, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> With children? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he wrote a load of elaborate things about the characters. The, the whole skills, or whatever you want to call the, the Cybermen, have were developed properly and it felt like upgrade on upgrade and all this kind of mm. stuff and mm. then it just edited down edited down because that down. could that could have been done right that could have been very terrifying just to keep building keep building and yeah. everything you throw at them just gets it just back. like we we were talking about this a lot on the last classic and i don't want to beat the same horse too too <laughs> much but it does it the way that's presented like the first thing we see is the cyber man being super super fast the cyber billy Wiz. yeah this is that's like Probably the most upgraded side of Yeah, that should be the end game. You can yeah. imagine. Yeah. 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 And we see it straight in the front and, and never again. Never again. Yeah. Like that just tells you a lot, I think, about how they went about this episode. Yeah. Imagine if you'd had the millions of Cybermen all queued up, waiting to get into the moat or whatever, and you'd all see them start whizzing at once. <laughs> I mean, Oof. well, I mean, how do you stop that is yeah, the problem. Exactly. But it would have been fucking impressive and terrifying. And you know what isn't helpful in making them seem terrifying is laughing every time they stop or you shoot one or something. What is with all the weird tittering? Oh, I think I missed this. Who who was tittering? One of the soldiers is called Ha Ha for a start. And Uh and (laughs) whenever he shoots one, he goes, and when one steps into the moat, Clara's like, and everybody's like, hey. And then when they're interminably putting their hands up against the wall saying, oh, Upgrade you will be. Then they stop, and everyone's like, ha, look at this one. It stopped. Ooh, ooh, there's another one. Ooh. It's incredibly <laughs> annoying. Mm. And it's Clara doing a lot of it. Oh, yeah. mm. were, were you annoyed by Clara? Only then, I thought she was a great general. I thought she was a great general. Marie, did you think she was a great general? I thought she was a cracking general. Yeah, I would have done anything she told me to. She was fantastic. <laughs> um. <laughs> Although, not about her being a general, but when um, the scene with the doctor and she has the clicky button to destroy the whole planet in her hand. Oh, yeah. Why is she throwing it around? Why is she throwing it around, A? Why is she giving it to the doctor, B? And then when she does and he grabs her hand... She has another hand. She has hand. another hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, oh, gra- he grabs her arm. She still she can still let go and take it out in the other hand and like throw it away so the doctor can't reach it. She just stands there frozen. That was a weak moment, Clara. Yeah. Are you Very listening, weak. Clara? <laughs> it's a double whammy as well, because the doctor has another hand. Yeah. He's claiming that the side This, this left hand is left in left um, yeah. control. Yeah, but he can use his right hand yeah. to release it. Yeah. Both of them are just like paralyzed. Towards the end of the episode, Porridge proposes to Clara because she's exhibited all these character traits. 
Did you notice those character traits, or did you also find that the proposal was completely over the top, like Comple- crazy out of the blue? Completely over the top and out of the blue. They were nice. They had nice witty banter together. They were they were getting along great. I think it was more he wanted a companion rather than a wife. He just wanted someone to go through it with him. Like the doctor has a yeah, but like, somewhat, but yeah, but like, maybe don't propose to her. Well, then. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can accept it as a proposal because there's a lot of pomp and circumstance around him being emperor. Yeah. And um, I imagine that's that what he's running away for. Anybody else who knew who he was, if he proposed to someone, they would go, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll be queen of the universe. That sounds great. But because she has another alternative career. Yeah. But I think he yeah. could have played the as a friend, as a companion card yeah. rather than he plays it like a love interest thing, like an actual proposal. Yeah, because yeah. it's like 40 minutes of, hey, he's a super nice dude and yeah. he's really down to earth, yeah. especially given the fact that he's bloody emperor of the universe or the galaxy or whatever it is. Like, sorry for the Terry Nationism. At least 2,000 galaxies, sure. 2,000 galaxies. <laughs> okay, so he is the emperor, yet he is just like any one of us that's awesome 40 minutes later oh he is straight up not so he has been lonely and in a very cramped space for a very long time <laughs> he's inside the bloody st- yeah yeah <laughs> he's inside the side of me you're right uh, um, the other thing that i wasn't sure about um porridge at the end so he sets the bomb off and then he's like okay it's fine because we're all gonna get transported out of here and then it literally just grabs Dr. Clara and the kids. It's like, what happened to the army? <gasps> just... And Webley? And yeah, like everybody Oh my else goodness. That was on there, he's just doomed to their death without a second like thought. Wow. Oh, I missed that. That is the capital punishment platoon. Yeah. Because who was near, near them when it went off? Was so I was trying to think, there were, I'm sure there were army people like in the vicinity. Yeah, ha ha, ginge and... Another one survived, I'm yeah. sure. Oh, dear. Mm. Webley, I can understand why they don't... I mean, they don't bring Webley because he's been sort of cybered. So maybe it's but too Doc late. Doc was cybered. Yeah, but then he electroshocked his face and then magically all the cybertech disappeared into just a puff of smoke. Yeah. But... Uh, but well, yeah, also, there's a massive count-up to be got through. Where he's going 76, 77, 78. <laughs> and they can very easily take it off in all well, that time. Also, they've got the time to get the TARDIS back. He gives them the TARDIS coordinates. Could, yeah, could he yeah, not yeah. say, the, the whole just... bunch of people in the next room, please grab those too. Hey, Warwick, by the way. <laughs> I'm kind of into saving the innocents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So I've got two things. So one is we see a bit of Cybertech floating in space afterwards. A yes. Cybermite. It's a Cybermite. Very- oh, I thought I saw what was the the bit that goes on the side of human heads, but not the full Cyber oh. floating around. So Oh, I thought it was a Cybermite, but oh yeah, okay. Well, I was it, about was, to, it looked bigger than a Cybermite. Either way, it's anyway. some Cybertech. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was about to say, given that the Doctors has fallen off, that is Webley. If, if it was a thing that goes on the side of the face, <laughs> oh. Webley got blown up and his Cyber bit is oh. floating around. In space <laughs> gross yeah uh, that's very similar to and i rewatched this on youtube the end of tomb of the cyberman because there are lots of similarities between this and tomb of the cyberman as well the patrick trampton serial and it, at the end of that one there is a i think it's so we this this one contains the first cyber planner of new who i think tomb of the cyberman also has a cyber planner or a cyber controller whatever one of those fucking yeah. isn't there a cyber cybers. controller in the next doctor but with a see-through black brain okay case but this is a cyber planner anyway the doctor turns into a cyber planner ish yeah. Yeah. but uh, yeah anyway so in tomb of the cybermen they are trying to keep the cyber planner or cyber controller or whatever inside the tomb 
and a cyber mat, this is pre-cyber might, a cyber mat just goes, nye, 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 disappears, and that is the future of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. So this felt like, oh, okay, this is now the future of the Cybermen. We, yeah. we are not destroying all of them. There's at least one teeny tiny piece of tech left. They've always got to leave something left. That, yeah, I kind of like that. that there's, yeah. yeah. I did think, but. though, their scanners are a bit rubbish because you <laughs> literally just scan the whole thing and went, yep, we've got it all, and then it just floats past <laughs> the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are they scanning for? Well... So my second thing is, <laughs> yeah, they're looking at stuff out the window. They've beamed things from the planet. No one's meant to know where the Emperor is. Did that ship literally come from wherever it was in the universe? Yeah. In yes. the blink of an eye. Yeah. yeah. In eight, within 80 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. They can get anywhere within 80 seconds. And that, that we're decided. just accepting. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Just, <laughs> this is just for technology. It makes planet. perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, maybe he hid like on the, the planet right next to the Emperor. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> no, I, I know what you're thinking. I had that exact same stunned silence of, oh, they've really gone for an ending that pat and easy and neat. And Doctor Who doesn't usually implode entire planets mm. to achieve its payoff. But this time it did. And it felt very clumsy. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah, I don't know. I, I liked that the stuff survived. But yeah, it's it's a very clean. There, there were thousands upon thousands of Cybermen. Mm. Oh, no, there aren't any more because yeah. that would be a problem. <laughs> it also seems really dumb that all these thousands upon thousands of Cybermen are attacking Natty Longshoe's comical castle. Why don't they just get on a spaceship and, and fly away? Yeah, They're going to construct a spaceship after they've got control of the Doctor's brain entirely and he can cyber plan that shit. But, I mean... Maybe build a spaceship at the same time. There are three million of you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Consider the Doctor a bonus, you know. And also, they've cybered most of the Doctor. It's just a matter of time before he is completely cybered. You don't even have to play chess with him. You don't have to do all those things. Build your spaceship... Bide your time and slowly but surely he will become one of you. Wear him down. Yes, yeah. this was... Yes, why are they playing chess? Oh, I, my. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, Jim, you have feelings about this. Let's hear him. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it is, isn't it? How Absolute can they get checkmate in five moves with all those pieces still left on the board? It's just not chess. <laughs> I just don't understand how we're meant to buy... Like, they do... The Doctor does at least address it later in the episode that... He, he doesn't expect the cyber planner, the Siberiad, what, whatever it is meant to be that's in his brain, doesn't accept it to play fair. Mm. And he has another plan and all this kind of stuff. Why, why, are they, why, why is he humoring him this, in the first place? Yeah, play? why have this set up? Why, yeah. why isn't the Siberiad just continually just hammering him, just going, I'm going to break into you, brain? Like, why, why would it play the buying time card? That's useful for the Doctor, it's not for the... Is, is the idea that because the Cyberman shell that's been operated by Porridge has been playing chess all this time, is the idea that it's been conditioned to play chess somehow? Because we oh. have this sort of Chekhov's chess board in the episode, whereby in the beginning we get to see a chess board, then cut to the vi- like the opposite end of the park, there is a chess board. So presumably, like, one of the Cybermen like, took it under his arm. No, the like, do- doctor takes it with him. Doctor takes it with him? Yes. What the fuck? Do- <laughs> doc clears all the chess pieces, falls on the board, shoves it under his arm, runs to the castle, and then sets it all back up again and re-puts the pieces back where they were because they're in the middle of a game of chess. I totally missed That's that. That's true. Well, if he actually expects to get away in the TARDIS, why is he taking the chess board? <laughs> For a souvenir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think 
by getting Doctor to play chess, he's kind of distracting him. So Doctor's concentrating more on my next move and therefore the cyber cyber planners can um dig deeper into his brainwaves that aren't being Yeah, you know, I, I thought it would I thought it would have been cool if one of them had said, Oh, I was just playing chess with you to buy time. I was just playing chess with you to buy time. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. We're not um, so different after all, you and I. Come here, you <laughs> <laughs> but when- Where's that mirror? <laughs> Are you thinking what I'm thinking? (laughs) I've always been curious. Cyber curious. <laughs> I but, did quite like that. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. No, there just there is a personality there when he's playing chess. He's like taunting him, and I think later on he gets an accent. He he starts talking with an accent. Yeah, he starts off sounding exactly like Eddie Izzard. Yeah, for quite a while. Yeah, and then he goes all well. Is it Northern? I don't know. I sort of thought it's it was regional, general it. regional, isn't but it? Where has this come from? Like Cybermen don't have personalities. That's the, the point. There is at least one scene in which the one where he's sort of rattling through the identities of the Doctor, there's one scene where he does an Eccleston and does a Tennant. Mm. He says fantastic and Alonzi and his best Eccleston and Tennant. This is after the Doctor has said, you are beautiful to a Cybermite. Yeah, I did. Yes, 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 you're right. The, uh, the, The Northern Twang, whatever it is, does happen after the Cyber thing has been zapped by gold. And then the doctor releases it again. I took it to be a kind of like a little combobulation. Ah, after okay. That. And it's also the first time it interacts with Clara. And it gets taken on Clara. I hadn't actually thought that it could have been impersonating <laughs> Clara. That that would probably make sense. I was just thinking maybe it was it's the first because it's this is where it calls her the Impossible Girl. Like it's mm. it's got a huge amount of information from the doctor's memories about this person in front of him it and suddenly is like behaving differently because it's a, a new thing that he can play with yeah he's just trying to be as mocking and scornful as possible mm. yeah but they just don't seem to be very like cyber qualities no <laughs> to be mocking and scornful <laughs> but again star trek okay star trek first contact the borg are unemotional robotic whatevers but then in Star Trek First Contact we meet the Siberiad equivalent which is the like the queen of the Borg or the empress of the the Borg Borg queen the Borg queen yes thank you and she has a personality she is much more like she has charisma and she cracks wise and and she's intimidating in that regard and a gloopy spine yeah (laughs) so sexy and she even tries to like seduce data at one point there there are that's a you know what freaking hell that is another similarity (laughs) that is another star trek first contact similarity as in the doctor tries to seduce clara also, oh, I didn't even think about yeah. that. Yes, oh, yeah. No, but yeah. I mean, like, the Mr. Clever is the Borg Queen. Yeah. yeah. Also, can I say Mr. Clever is a shit name? Yes. It's a terrible yes, name. It is. It, but it is what Matt Smith's doctor would call that character. It's yeah, but not this what... isn't Matt Smith's doctor, is the point. It's the cyber doctor. It's based on Matt Smith. It's yeah. on Matt I, Smith's head. I think this is, this is the thing, is that it's meant to be the cyber with a bit of doctor in it. Mm. But I... I don't think is that's what a doctor with be. more cyber. Well, possibly, but I I just don't understand why it would be like it's it takes control of his arm. It's not like he's moving that arm in the same way the doctor would move that arm. Surely, yeah. like it's it's yeah. a, a cyber thing. It's just doing stuff. Yeah, it, it castigates the doctor late in the episode for having emotions. So it yeah. should just be taking advantage, exploiting his neural Knowledge. architecture. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, the, going back to the Clara thing, that really annoyed me. The, the whole thing really annoyed me. She, so her asking the question, tell me something that only you could know. It's like, he's in your head. Like, he knows everything that the doctor knows. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, he could tell you the most personal thing that only the two of you know. And it could still be the Cyberman because yeah. he knows everything. He could just you make your... something up, which is exactly what he does. Yeah, but then it, but that's that's the other thing. He then goes, "Oh, you're he is making it up. He doesn't exactly. come from the Doctor because the Doctor doesn't think that about Clara. So why why would he think that that would work? Just trying to prey on an emotional weakness. Maybe he thinks that's what she wants to hear. But but why? I mean, the fact that she asks him in the first place means yeah. that there is a chance, like that it is possible to fool her because she's, she's she's expecting she's there expecting to be an answer. Exactly. She's She's expecting him to say something that will convince her. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. But if he said anything vaguely accurate, you can't trust that it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also being a cyber thing that doesn't believe emotions are good and I don't know, maybe understands them a bit, but it's using, trying to use an emotional thing mm. as the answer. Like, why would it bother with that? Surely a more logical thing would make more sense. Like yeah. a fact-based thing. Yeah. Well, no, because he perceives emotions as a weakness and he thinks, ah, Clara's a woman. She's full of them. I'll just bring up an emotion and she'll be completely defenseless before my empowered logic. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just never, none of it seemed like Cybermen traits. Yeah. I just going back to what Marie said. I Borg queen. What, what, are, <laughs> what are Cybermen traits? You will be deleted. We are upgrading. Those we are will assimilate things. you. You will become part of the Borg collective. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> Well, because this is the big difference between classic and new, I think, is that in, I think I got this right, in classic who they are an alien species or they... Like a humanoid alien species, yeah. They have not evolved. Like they were a machine that took on other alien... Well, we... we no, no, they were alien know, species in themselves. We we get their, like, a, a more elaborate view of their backstory in New Who with Capaldi. So they're an alien species humanoid alien species that augmented themselves through, uh, with technology. We learn knew who that this is to basically preserve their race because they, they had diseases and, and whatnot and pollution and so on and so forth. So they need a technology to survive. And then gradually the technology sort of took over. And now they are just ones and zeros trying to harvest more people to turn into ones and zeros. Yeah, it's uh, us in 2035. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, give or take. Yeah. But We've I, caught I, up by then. <laughs> so it'll be fine. <laughs> I think at this point, though, in New Who, they are purely a mechanical thing that piggybacks on human. Yeah, that's right. Human that, life. You're right. And, it, and they make a point of that in this episode that the Doctor shouldn't be compatible, but they've upgraded themselves enough that he is compatible. Why would the Doctor not be compatible? Because we've had the whatever the Cybermen, uh, like, I mean, at a certain point in the next Doctor, they have like dog monkeys that they've cybered. Mm. The cyber mats we get, we saw in closing time also have an organic component. They're like rats or something that they've cybered. They seem to be able to cyber literally anything organic. So is this, is this episode just throwing in a bollocks line then? Which is super annoying because yeah. it, it is just one line that yeah. could have easily been cut and not. And it's not a changed. very important line. Though. Have they? Yeah. S- they may have said that in other New Who episodes. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, like in Tenant episodes or something. But I think I think this is what bothers me a lot about the Cybermen is that it's not clear what they are. Like you don't know whether it should be threatening because they want to be a bit Borg-like and assimilate humans, and we get the kind of body dysmorphia thing of people being cut up and their heads being put into casings and all this kind of stuff and then using the organic components or we've do we have some other alien life form that's 
trying to do some other thing like it's it's not like a, a necessarily a, a logical thing that wants to wipe out the world like daleks do or it's it's a thing that wants to preserve itself or i don't know it's just a bit all over the place and this episode kind of has it all <laughs> just thrown in in different different ways which is why it's such a mess i think but they could be really cool like, like there's a lot, of, a lot of things that are threatened about them it could be scary about them like the fact they can take their heads off and still move around that's pretty scary if you do it the right way yeah you have to do it the right way mm. yeah <laughs> we just had the daleks brought back in resolution didn't we and that was one dalek and it was given some extra powers and that was trying to make the daleks a bit scary again like they're trying to make yeah, sidemen a bit scary here so you don't make something scary by giving them just loads and loads of superfluous redundant numbers and making them completely ineffective and you don't make them scary by throwing 50 concepts at the wall and seeing what shit sticks you just make with a laser-like focus some one thing incredibly fucking lethal mm. and go with that it's so it's so unnecessary to have three three million of them yeah yeah three million like if there were 300 of them they'd still be massively outnumbered and couldn't they've only got five yeah. shots. have one single cyberman like- but turn off the lights <laughs> <laughs> Saves on budget. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, sorry. Uh, but just going back to the whole um, Doctor's not compatible with it, it just made me think, actually, they could have got around that by saying, like, he's too, he's too strong to be taken. Because I'm sure we've seen that before. Didn't Donna get almost half eaten and then she was too clung onto her human side? Was it Donna? Wait, Donna was Someone. what? Half eaten? Someone got in a... Maybe it wasn't Donna. No, this is closing time. Was it closing time? I'm sorry. Because he thought about his baby. <laughs> I thought yeah. about oh. rubbish action. I went to Donna. And you were really close. Cool. <laughs> yes. But no. Oh, yes. He was half. Slander. <laughs> he was half in. He was about to be assimilated. And he and he heard the baby cry, I think. Yeah. And then he was like, no, I'm too. I don't know. And his, and his human no, side this is a bad episode. broke through. So you could have easily said, rather than Doctor not being compatible because he's not human, they could have easily just said, well, he's stronger than most humans. He's got more willpower, more sense of himself. Well, I think that comes through in the Doctor's powerful enough to set up a total mental block. Even though I'm Mr. Clever, I'm the most evolved Cyberman baddie to date. Yeah, but it's it's not not about him being a Gallifreyan and not being compatible. It's just about him having the sort of mental strength to block him out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Just a thought. I've just got just a thought. Why can't the kids be locked up in a secure room in the TARDIS if it's that dangerous? <laughs> yeah. It's nap time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I have to put a pause in here. If we're talking about the children, I, I need to have a drink. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. it, it's, it's top up time. <laughs> I can't wait for these opinions. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm all uh, <laughs> topped up. Topped up. <laughs> Drew, let rip. Me let rip. Yeah, oh, no. Jim, Jim, you're the, one, Jim. you're the one with a glass full of entirely clear alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it's not entirely clear alcohol. It's got some uh, lovely tonic water in it. Uh, on, Get it off your well, chest. Completely backing up your initial point, to be honest. One of my notes is because they, they sleep outside of the TARDIS. Why don't they sleep in the TARDIS? Is, is this where you were going? Like, Or yeah. just in general, why the hell are they let out at all? Well, both really. <laughs> <laughs> they've got bunk beds. They've got infinite room in the TARDIS. It can like build them a bedroom. Yeah, the world's greatest bedroom, yeah. which he took a great amount of care in doing in the Christmas one. What what was it? Which Christmas one? Come on. Oh yes, with um, uh, either Armstrong or Miller. Armstrong. Uh, yes, that's the one. That yeah. uh, the Armstrong Christmas episode. The best bedroom. <laughs> 
wooden king or queen. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the the wardrobe. wardrobe the witch, the, ward, the lion and the... <laughs> the doctor, the witch and the wardrobe. There we yes, go. Yes, <laughs> we got that. Uh, the widow. The, the widow. widow. Nice one, Jen. There we go. <laughs> Ne'er has that word been spoken with greater glee. My question is, why do these children need a nap? They've been on this planet for like 15 minutes. And they're like, <laughs> screw oh, those kids. Bedtime. That's okay. true. No one else goes to sleep at this no. point. Or it's even like... remotely close to this so point. So the only reason they brought these kids to this planet was in order to go to a fun fair. It turns out the fun fair is closed. Like it's closed for, it's been closed for like 100 years or something. They don't know that there's an adventure to, to behold that. They don't even know that there's anyone else on this planet. Why wouldn't the Doctor just go, okay, hang on, everyone back in the TARDIS, we're traveling back another hundred years. Well, he spots the cyber mites at this point, doesn't he? Does he? That's the the fancy insects bit. Is that the reason he wants to stick around? I think so. Oh. Yeah, it's no, not that's straight that's away. Reckless. That's not, crazy. It's not straight away. It's, uh, no. it's straight it's away, the, d- the dude comes out and he's like, oh, come and look at my curiosity shop. Yes. And so they look at that and then while he's in there, then he sees the cyber ma- mice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mice. Hey, oh, yeah. kids, why don't you sleep in the shop of this super creepy dude? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that, why does Clara let that happen? Who keeps a person locked yeah. up in a Cyberman? Yeah. At knows. least one. <laughs> there may be others. <laughs> If you hear a knocking from inside other exhibit pieces. <laughs> He's got two more Cybermen. He's got two backups somewhere. It's like, oh God. <laughs> we haven't had a single sandwich. He eats them all. <laughs> okay, here's another thing that really bugs me about this. So they've come there to go to the Spacey Zoomer. Now the Spacey Zoomer is just like a zero gravity, not a zero gravity, a very low gravity simulator, right? So you can pretend that you're on the moon. You can jump around. He has a spaceship. <laughs> Take them to the actual moon. Wait, not just that. This planet is a funfair. You need to, let's say, zoom through space to get to the spacey zoomer. How is it? <laughs> how is it special in any way? <laughs> Turn on the outside viewer whilst you're zooming through space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what actually bothered me more than it really should have done in the, the scene where they actually get to float around is that it's a anti-gravity off button. It's not like there's a switch where it's it's normally on. It's like you press a button to turn it off. Like it's just constantly on all the time. That's fine. And they turn it off. Because <laughs> that's how switches work. That's how things work. Uh. <laughs> So pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't yet dealt with the worst part of all of this, though, which is the character of Angie. Oh, my. No. No, we haven't. It's Angie the girl. Angie's the girl. Angie's the girl girl. who wanders off and walks into a room of army people and goes, I'm bored. Hello, I'm bored. Yeah. Who refers to the TARDIS as the stupid box. In fact, they both. They refer to the TARDIS as a stupid box. They've just seen the whole bigger on the inside thing. Mm. They've traveled to a different place. (laughs) Send them back home. They don't deserve space travel. Why why aren't they dropped off before they even land? Yeah. (laughs) Because then they'll blackmail Clara with no, photos of her. The doctor history. can clearly mind wipe them, or at the very <laughs> least, just like find tra- time travel would probably allow him to just completely psychologically scar these kids forever <laughs> to the point where they will never spill any beans. And also, he could probably blackmail them in some way. Yeah, I was thinking of the blackmail angle. Yeah. <laughs> 
just go back a few few weeks and watch them divulging like who their crush is to their mate and it's like, yeah exactly right oh. I gotta t- I gotta tell the entire school now <laughs> <laughs> when the lonely emperor is turned down by Clara and Angie says I I'd be queen of the universe the doctor says hold that thought and he takes her off to an asteroid she just lives there for five or six years he takes him back with his time box she's 18 and he's like how about now and, and completely insane because she's been by herself on a rock somewhere which is how she can empathize with the emperor who's been stuck in a cyberman belly for a decade well i mean for the past eight years i've had no one to talk to about myself and also i've been eating like bits of sand and my own feces but at this point you know what fucking yeah i'll be empress of the universe that's completely fine you're assuming she could get any work Worse than she is in this episode. You know what is the real sour pill at the end of all this, though? What's that? She they attempted to give her some kind of arc. She <laughs> she changes her attitude at the end for no fucking reason. No, she but, gets a phone. She gets yeah, a phone. I was going to say that's her arc. <laughs> She's her, her arc is the kids' arc is they get reception. That's the <laughs> arc. No, this definitely as an episode cements my theory that children do not belong on TV. But it's completely unfair. It's entirely the writing. I Yeah. Yeah. Either it's because the kids simply are too young to be able to act or because the adults are simply too adult to write convincing children or to write children interestingly. Yeah, but, but this is Neil Gaiman. This is what he does. This is his wheelhouse. Why is he unable to do this? I'm going to oh, read out shit, a note right. that I wrote. Okay. I wrote that she's so horrible that if I was a child watching this, I'd feel personally attacked. I'd go straight to Twitter and start a hashtag, not all children. <laughs> I then looked up whether Neil Gaiman had children, which has probably ruined my Google search history forever and put me on several red lists, but he does. He has four. But how could anyone write a less sympathetic caricature of one? It's, and it's him. He's done Coraline. He's, yeah. he's done loads of kid stuff. Yeah. yeah. Is it the, no, the ocean right. at the end of the lane? Oh, the I don't know that one. That was written as like a proper kids book. Oh. And is is his usual kind of fantasy weird weird stuff, but it's Just all children. about two kids, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. Mi- Mirror Mask, which Jim gave to me because he didn't really like it. And I watched it today and guess what? <laughs> I don't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> that has a girl of a similar, maybe slightly older age older, as yeah. the main protagonist. Yeah. No, he he does know how to write kids. You're absolutely right. But the writing in this is by far what makes it, it, it. I have no idea what these actors are like as the the child actors because they don't get a chance to even but shine. Maybe it is rewrite hell. Could Possibly. it be someone else on the beach? I mean, how about the as a theory? Moffat calls Neil Gaiman and says, "Listen, hi, I want you to write a, a, a kick-ass Cyberman story." Great. Neil Gaiman writes it. Now it needs to fit in somewhere. Oh, how do we tie it to the, the other one? Hey, Neil, uh, could you put two kids in this thing so that we have two kids and we don't develop their characters in any way because we don't really know who they are yet? We might develop them beforehand. Yeah. We might develop them later. And you've already got 90 minutes of script for a 45-minute episode. Exactly. So now like, like squeeze these kids in and maybe maybe trim other bits or maybe we'll trim other bits of the script. Yeah, that Webberly guy, you, you don't need to do all that stuff with him, do you? No. Exactly. And then maybe that's... That's why we get these not at all fleshed out child characters and we feel like maybe the episode is missing in other regards. Just a theory, just a theory. I don't know how it works at the BBC. Makes a lot of sense, I'd buy it. Neil Gaiman, I love you. I, I, seriously, yeah. you're an amazing writer. Mm. I'm assuming you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for that first good review of Nightmare in Silver. <laughs> and then you can put it on your website. <laughs> <laughs> 
I didn't win a Hugo Award, but who back when gave me a 2.6? <laughs> that is way higher than I've given this episode That's in my, in my notes, by the way. Anything above average he's looking for. Uh, yeah, yeah, look elsewhere. Um, here's a question that Miriam asked while we were watching this yesterday. The Doctor, he manages to at least subdue the cyber, whatever, cyber tech by putting his literal golden ticket, the whole oh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory golden ticket on the cybertech. Why does he not put any gold on the kids' cybertech? Mm. Oh, yeah, because there's quite a lot of spare ticket dangling. Yeah, like tear off a piece and put it yeah. on, on Angie. Tear off another piece and put it on, uh, what's his name, Auntie. And, and you can keep your queen later on. Gold yes. is notoriously easy to tear. It's a ticket. Yeah. It's a teeny tiny ticket. I mean, surely it's, he can... Maybe it's really... Maybe, I don't know. Somewhere in Begley's weird house of oddities, there must be some gold. Mm. In the abandoned Cyberman, probably. In the abandoned Cyberman? Yeah, he's got three Cyberman shells. But do, is there gold inside the Cyberman? No, because they are, they're like... Gold messes with the circuitry. They it's like they're well, kryptonite. Yeah. I don't know, I was just thinking that they have circuitry of some kind. You know what? Yeah, but I don't, maybe. They, they seem to have maybe. very different technology. Because, like, how are they meant to be upgrading the way they upgrade in mm. this? I want to come back to the kids because there's, there's some other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about Okay, put a pin but, in the upgrade and let's talk okay. about the kids. Because the other thing about the kids in this episode is the fact that the Cybermen want them. <gasps> oh! I know, I know, I know. Notes, notes, notes. They want Marie. them because a child's brain has infinite potential. Okay, okay. Barf is my note. Where's my vomit bucket? <laughs> <laughs> we should disclose that we are all over 30 and jealous, all right? <laughs> <laughs> that is playing a part here, guys. <laughs> so they say at, or possibly the cyber doctor, whatever, the cyber planner says that in previous iterations of the Matrix, in effect, they used kids as cyber planners to create their worlds. Imagine a cyber world designed by a child's mind. So, uh, we're going to have a mountain of hot dogs. And, then <laughs> <laughs> and a lemonade slide over there. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a puppy now. <laughs> and I don't have to go to bed. <laughs> and my name's Mr. Unicorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cut to like 500,000 years later, the Cybermen are trudging across the universe. Like, you will be a simulated, you two will be a cyber unicorn. <laughs> yeah, get in line for Hot Dog Mountain. <laughs> It's so dumb. Seriously. You know how the doctor defeats them? Is he gets a gold corn? Is that what you call it? <laughs> a horn, presumably. Jams it into one of their heads and the whole lot fry. <laughs> yes, exactly. You could write that. No, that's not. You could write a better Cyberman thing. I think the Cybermen are very poorly treated in Doctor Who. That's <laughs> true. Like, Darnets get wheeled out a lot and it's hit or miss, but... Have you reviewed any Cyberman audios? Yes. Are they good? Yes. One that I keep harping on about, human resources, uh-huh. is freaking amazing. That's a it's it's a like a double feature audio adventure. It's awesome. And it has both modern Cybermen and the Mondasian, the old school Cybermen. Mm. Yeah, it's very good. Oh there you go. Adapt that for television. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. I would I, I would a hundred percent watch that. I mean I'd obviously I'd watch any shit you make, <laughs> BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'd rather you didn't make shit. So, Jim, are we going to come back to this upgrading problem you well, had? Did anyone understand how they were... Like, are we not meant to care that what? one of them can be literally blown apart by 
the gun and then the next one can just get singed across the chest and then can do they have none of them get touched again that one that one didn't bother me quite as much as the one that got electrocuted and then just stood up again and carried on walking like nothing happened to him like if you if you can be electrocuted how do you stop then not be electrocuted yeah yeah. (laughs) like do they have shields once behind him had gone oh that water's electrified let's upgrade to avoid that and then got you know sacrifice one to upgrade the next lot that's still confusing but fair enough but yeah he was basically down and out and then he got revived again to answer your question, I, I don't recall seeing anything that looked like shields that's mentioned as shields. I don't think they or... have shields, no. I think this is Moffat going, okay, listen, Neil. Uh, Neil, buddy, you, baby, bubble <laughs> <laughs> You remember, like, almost 20 years ago when Star Trek First Contact came on, on screen? <laughs> 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 It, it was in no, 96. No, I don't remember back then. It was too long ago. <laughs> it was in 96. It was the same year of the Doctor Who movie. Yeah, Here's the, the same. Doctor's Doctor Who movie, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's do everything identical, identically, but let's leave out the shields. Yeah. Which is the one thing that makes no sense. But, I mean, this is 100% from Star Trek, from, from the next generation. Yeah, the, the whole, yeah, changing, adapting. Yeah, that there's sort of a like a, a collective consciousness like some central server that picks up all these impulses analyzes the bullet that's hit you and goes okay so now everyone else you are now immune to this bullet like now you can foresee this bullet yes that's great when you've got shields which is the thing exactly we don't currently have exactly it's invisible yep it's some kind of projection of energy like we have no idea how that works you can just play with that to your heart's content. This also pre- presupposes that there is a collective outside of the cyber planet. Like, they're all aware of what they all are aware of. <laughs> you know, like, if yeah. there's, there's no central hub, which is the one thing that really makes, it makes perfect sense. Like, well, there this, is a server somewhere. Is this the Siberiad? Like, I, I wasn't sure if the Siberiad was this they were, shared consciousness A hive mind, thing. perhaps. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but what is that? Is that a server somewhere? I, the, but I the, don't know if it is the just hive mind idea. So in... I'm pointing at Drew as I said that. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned before, Marie, that everyone else gets like super slow as they're attacking, whatever. That's because the cyber doctor, he needs their processing power to calculate the chess moves. Mm-hmm. That goes against there being some sort of central consciousness. If they're all aware of everything, every cyberman standing in line to go to the castle is playing chess with the doctor. I'm sure you made a reference to that right at the start of the game was it was using all this extra processing power, which I took to be all the Cybermen. Yeah. And then he stopped using them and then he started using them again and froze them all. I think it was like he just said, I can use. Yeah. Like uh, I have access to. But he wasn't actually. And, and then later on actually pulls that trigger. See, and I thought this was going to be Doc's really clever like way of getting them all so to pull all the consciousnesses out of the cybermen somehow i can't even remember how he killed the one that was on his face he amplified oh with the, the pulser. with the pulser yeah, yeah zapping yeah. with the pulser yeah, and three he would steps. have but he would have immediately zapped all of them yeah, and wiped, wiped all three million of them out uh. and that would have been doc saving the day but he didn't it just it didn't even stun them it just what did it do he just buggered off somewhere else sort of yeah. generally into the crowd because that was that was my problem with the ending is that the doctor didn't help he didn't resolve anything it was just the bot it just all imploded <laughs> anyway like he didn't need to be there yeah. if they hadn't have been there that's true actually none of this would have happened or if he hadn't 
actually got himself free of that situation, everyone else would have been rescued that was near the bomb and the doc would have been killed. Yeah. And to come back to Jim's point from earlier, I think that this episode is fairly forgettable because it doesn't end up feeling like a Cyberman episode because as Jim said, the cyber controller, Mr. Clever, he's not really a Cyberman. He doesn't have many Cybermanish traits. Yeah. And... The Cybermen themselves are reduced to going, Upgrade in progress, and you will be assimilated a little, a tiny little bit. So if you come away feeling like, did I did I see the Cybermen at all? Really? Yeah. And I, I actually even think when they were trying to be the most Cybermen, as in walking robotically, that was really done quite badly. Because <laughs> this is actually a transition, isn't it? I think we... I'm not sure what we... Is it the ones that he has in his curiosity shop are the old, old new ones? Who, yeah, exactly. And then every other one is the, the new new who. The Neil Gaiman ones, yeah. Sleek. This is, this is something yeah. that Neil Gaiman also addressed in the interview. He said that the old ones were more cyberpunky and they would clank as they walked. And he was envisioning modern... Like, modern tech doesn't clank. So mm. let's have Cybermen who don't clank. But they still do the robotic walk style. But yeah. I, I don't think they were directed very well. I looked up Siberiad on TARDIS Wikia, uh, formerly Wikia. Now found them. Siberiad was the shared consciousness of the Cybermen, similar to a hive mind. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You got it? it contained the collective knowledge of every act- active operating cyber unit on any level. I take that to mean the entire universe. The Siberiad was what any upgraded organism was connected to in order for any cyber planners to control them. I take that to be the Borg planet. In addition, basic cyber units would sometimes greet any near-upgraded organisms to the Siberiad. That's all from Nightmare and Silver. It has only otherwise appeared in a comic book. And the name Siberiad comes from the Polish Siberiada, pardon my pronunciation, Polish listeners, which was a series of short stories about robots by the Polish author Stanislaw Len. That's pretty cool. Who wrote Solaris? Wow. Yeah, I just looked him up. Weird tangent, but one of you might be able to answer this question if we don't have to Google it. Mm -hmm. Is it from Poland we get the word robot? I think that's Czech. Oh, it's Czech, is it? Mm. Uh, Okay. Marvellous trivia there. (laughs) I knew one of you would know that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a verb to work or something, isn't it? Uh. Something like that. So I've got something I liked. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's hear it. The graphics in Finally, the background. Finally, it took an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> the graphics in the background when Smith and Mr. Clever are facing off, including the Doctor, ah. but also just the general environment. I quite like that. Yeah, okay. Cool. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not so much, guys. It looked a little stock footagey to me, but that's fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think I liked the scene where Doc and Mr. Clever were facing off and the, the kind of switching from, you could always tell who was talking when it was just Matt Smith, but he was e- either or. I, did, I already said I didn't, I didn't like the character of Mr. Clever because he didn't seem very cyberman-y. And I didn't know where it came from. But now we've said maybe he came from the Doctor and that's okay. So, so yeah, but no, I, I, I thought that was, um, that was probably the best sort of dialogue in those scenes. Do you, do you mean the one that was in the head in the, the CGI room? Well, both. Room? It, no, they, they were in or... the head in the CGI room and then it kept flicking to like the yeah. like, real world. I, I think and, I... Sorry. You... No. And it, well, it just it was a lot of body language. So they would he would kind of face towards the left, and he was doctor, and then he would flick towards the right, and he was. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that you could I, see uh, the metal uh, on his face. Yeah. See, I think that's the bit I hated. Oh. I I think I liked it earlier when he was kind of walking around the table, and it was a bit more. There's, there was a an actual reason for his motion, mm. and then it turned into. I'm literally just flipping around based on everyone talking. So I faced the right way for the camera. It wasn't, I don't know, it didn't feel like a natural motion. It wasn't, 
he he started downplaying the I'm taking control and you're taking control. It was just I'm flipping around ninety degrees, not well, a, one hundred eighty degrees. degrees. <laughs> <laughs> In general, I think that's I, I think that was a really really cool effect, and I think Matt Smith did very well with that. But it would have been great if we had only seen that in one scene. Instead, we saw yeah. that for about half an hour, and it's just oh, yeah. way too much. But I think maybe the um, the idea that the Mister Clever was controlling the left arm and Doctor was controlling the right arm, maybe that because it was a lot of like arm movements. But I think that came quite later. He kind of, well, he it, said that later, but yeah. maybe it was always a bit. Maybe there. it was. I don't um, but no, but I did. Yeah, it got. It did get a little bit much, and I remember thinking, "Oh, okay, we've had enough of this." And then the mm. next scene, he didn't do it, and it was just talking, and you could tell yeah. who was talking just by the change in his voice, and that was quite nice. Yeah, I, I think when he was doing that, it was it was nice. Yeah. That, like he's just staying straight to camera, yeah. and the mannerism switches. Yeah. Because I, I think, and then he got, and then he did get sneaky when he was talking to Clara, and he was mimicking the Doctor because mm. it sounded like the Doctor, and then he kind of proved that it wasn't. Yeah. That was nice. Because I, I, I kind of like Matt Smith's performance in this, but I don't know if maybe it was the direction was a bit off. I think some of it was just a bit over the top and a bit forced of having this split person. Hey, uh, oh, Christ, that was terrible. I couldn't, Absolutely I couldn't dreadful. decide if I loved or hated that line. Oh. Did you like it? No. 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 <laughs> Part of me did quite have a guilty pleasure moment with I that. I partly hated that line because then in the next scene he said, they're nearly here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's a bit of amateurishness around this episode as well as mm. the bad writing. When the Billy Wiz Cyberman rushes through and picks up Angie, she starts screaming as he grabs her. They should be gone from the scene. Everyone yeah. should be like, wait, where's Angie? And yeah. they should hear a scream distantly from down the corridor with yeah. like a massive Doppler effect or I something. I thought about that as well because mm. th- th- that whole thing is a bullet time scene. That's the Matrix bullet time effect. So everyone is standing still because he is moving faster than like, than anything. He's like basically, you know, speed of light or whatever. Mm. But that the fact that he picks her up and she screams means that she is also as quick as the Cyberman. <laughs> yeah. She's also moving at the speed of light. Well, she is a child. She has infinite potential. <laughs> Never underestimate the speed that a brat can scream. (laughs) Anyone notice the puppet from the Hotel of Evil episode? Can't remember what it was called now. The one with the minus four with the little god complex. Yes, thank you. Was that in the Curiosity Show? Yes, yes. There was a puppet. Did not notice that. Mm -mm. Cool. I think Dorian Maldivar's head should have also been in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we hear a knocking from inside one of the props. We assume it's just uh, yet another porridge somewhere. (laughs) But actually it's Dorian, yeah. That'd be fantastic. (laughs) Wait, why is porridge wearing a pilot's cap? Why is he dressed... Like a like a first world war. Why is he called porridge? <laughs> RAF pilots. Yeah, wait. Why is he called porridge? Like that's a weird name. There's a sexual component to that, right? There, there, there's some. There's, what? Okay, no, ignore me. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Wait, wait. Uh, cut, 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 cut. Why is he? Wait, can you get there in three steps? Because I'm, I'm not. No. <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't say. I, I meant to say before. I really liked the three steps thing. I really liked that particular interplay between the Doctor and the Cyber Planner. I hated that. Really? Oh. I was like, oh, three steps, but how can you? How can you? Oh, and it's first this and first this, and it has nothing to do with chess. I really like that. Like, yeah, but after step two, the Cyber Planner should be like, hang on, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear step three, thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it it's, that it is subverted and, you know, there's not real three chess moves. It's yeah three things in the real world moves. But just the fact that the cyber planner, Siberiad, whatever, is so hung up on this fact. Like, 
it is a logical game. Like obviously, where we are today, there are supercomputers that are just about okay enough to beat humans consistently. But you know, it's... oh, I think they're way past humans at this point. Oh, they, uh, they've nailed it totally yeah, now. They're, they? they're unbeatable. I mean, Go is a much more complicated game, and we now can't beat computers at that. Yeah. Okay. So we've nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. Uh, I feel like you know a Cyberman confronted with chess should be like. <laughs> Fucking hell, uh, I've beat you 30 times already in my head. <laughs> yeah, Do this, your worst. This yeah. isn't entirely unlike that other trope that we've encountered on Hubak One a few times before, whereby you can defeat a robot by presenting it with an illogical conundrum. Yeah. Like, I just tell it a riddle that has no solution and it explodes, that sort of thing. Yeah. But so it's not entirely unlike that. It's not, but it's it's just it's, weak. It's, it's, it's tired. Equally and, done, yeah. yeah. And the, the fact that this is the big resolution, that the Doctor, this is Doctor playing his hand as well is like he's trying to trump the chess playing machine by saying oh i'm gonna beat you you, you can't work out how i'm gonna beat you because he's not really gonna beat him <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and i say oh no I'm, I'm confounded i can't see how you could possibly win this i'm going to bring in all the power from every other cyber person around on this planet oh uh, yes now now we can work out how you're going to win this game which you actually can't win it's just box. <laughs> I mean, there's a tenuous justification for it when he says the Time Lords invented chess. Yeah. Wait, what? Oh, he says that. Oh, he does. I miss yeah. that line. Yeah. And I was thinking, is but it, that's just annoyed Leon even more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's like some rules to chess that they didn't pass on to the rest of us, and we've been playing it wrong all this time. <laughs> like, aha! I can just put my king here, and I've won in three moves. That also makes me think of a Star Trek The Next Generation oh. reference. In fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, you know, Shakespeare or Hamlet is never as good as when it's enjoyed in the original Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a far superior line. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I would have preferred a rewrite with this, actually, if the Doctor was just fucking with the cyber planner the whole time and just was making illegal moves left, right and centre. <laughs> like, oh, that makes no sense. You're yeah. Not, yeah. Like, I'm gonna and playing a bit of um, red dwarf quotes in there. Like I'm gonna move my horsey <laughs> over to to Bish three. <laughs> I don't know. Just just like talking bollocks and the cyber planet is just getting more and more annoyed. It's like play the game properly. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be the equivalent of giving it an unsolvable conundrum. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The docs can act outside of the programming constraints. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We haven't really talked about the ragtag band of misfits, the soldiers. What what is there to say? I can't remember a single one of them. Every time the soldiers came on screen, my brain went to sleep. There was (laughs) one fun line, I thought. Okay. That was the broken trigger unit. And he was like, but you signed for that. The broken trigger re- unit, the, the, the thing that just like, turns into yeah. freaking like dust. chalk, yeah. chalk dust. So apparently, it's he's upgraded his arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should be there with like a broken thumb, <laughs> it's just like gnarly fingers. Like, <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. I want to see the next episode where the doc's left a bit of the cyber stuff in him and he's just got this bionic arm that he's just <laughs> like throwing golf balls like th- thousands of miles or something. I have another example of a very disappointing line. Oh, let's hear it. Which is when Warwick Davis says, yes, do you remember the ice picnic when the snow bears came and danced for us? And that's just a trip to Canada. That, those are just polar bears <laughs> in some snow. I th- when, when does he use that line? What he's talking he to Captain Alice Webb doesn't follow the rules. Uh, and ooh. it's just not as great as Neil yeah, Gaiman think it, thinks it is. Canada's really exotic when you're from wherever he's from. He owns a thousand galaxies at least. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe they don't. Not maybe none of them have polar bears. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on. That's just that just brought something to my attention. The soldiers recognize him. Do all the soldiers recognize the him? Captain the captain recognizing him. There's no one else. That's a scene apart for those two. I do remember her recognizing him, but does no one else do that? Because presumably just the that entire. Later. Oh yeah, that's true. It's so presumably the whole that... empire must be looking for him. Yeah. And they almost know what he looks like. And presumably they all know how tall he is. Like no, they, have, they, they think the waxwork wax. is legit. And what, uh, that scene with Angie and the coin and the waxwork really pisses me off. Like, wh- <laughs> she's the least observant person. Out, like She's just walking around yeah. like shuffling her feet going, oh, it's all shit. I'm I hate bored. everything. I'm so bored. She's been a Cyberman for all but 20 minutes. Yeah. She's not paying attention <laughs> to the wax statue. I meant to go back and look at that statue. I never did. I'm now trying yeah, to find it. I don't it think on... it looked anything like Warwick Davis. Maybe. It had a face. It? <laughs> he has a face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I've got another question. If anyone's interested, is someone who might be an expert in Clara might be able to answer this one. <gasps> is this the beginning of Clara taking some time off from the TARDIS? Because at the end of this episode, she just goes, "Forget. See you in a couple of Thursdays or something." See when's like that. next Wednesday. It's always a Wednesday. Mm. Wednesday. And he says yeah. it'll be a Wednesday. It might be last Wednesday. It might be. A- a few Wednesdays from now. Like, I don't know. I don't know if she's supposed to have always been popping back home in between. Because she hasn't... Because she has a job. Does, like, but does she have a job? Is she is she a nanny at this point? Or is she already a teacher at uh, Coalhill? She's still a nanny. Otherwise, why would the kids have her under their thumb? True. I, thought, yeah. I sort of assumed she was a nanny like outside of teaching hours. And it was extra. Because oh. they're school-age kids. They've been at school all day. She just needs to be home when they get home from... If if you're what, I don't think you'd be a teacher and a nanny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, teachers Although, a lot of work. Teachers don't get paid very much. She might take some nannying hours. On. But it was also made clear at some episodes ago that she's only a nanny out of like a sense of guilt yeah, for exactly. whatever reason. That yeah. and free room and board. And so she lives there as well. Oh yeah, yeah. that's true. Oh, I found the um the waxwork. Waxwork. Oh, let's see it. It's really not Warwick Davis, is it? It's Matthew Broderick. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. It's more Matthew Broderick oh than god, Warwick Davis, is. definitely. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? That's the statue. Yeah. Bueller. <laughs> so Angie is the least observant person ever. And she ma- just managed it. Managed yeah. to spot this apparently. The prop department is the least observant <laughs> for making that. Yeah. <laughs> but also the CGI department is the least observant for the wonderful scene with Clara and Porridge staring into space at the apparent nothing. Oh, the nothing. Which is the most beautiful space spot with like a, like a black center. Yes, there is there is some nothing there, but then like a... Surrounded by gorgeous blues and whites and... Yeah, almost... That's the remains of a billion trillion people you're ogling. Yeah, so... Well, no, but it's very clearly not nothing, is they, it? Would you ever look at that in the sky and go, oh, there's nothing there? That's yeah, the I most mean, interesting sky I've ever seen. Th- there's like a <laughs> yeah. perfect circle of just black, like a black hole, effectively, right? Yeah, yeah but the, yeah. the dialogue just doesn't match up to the visual effect no, in the slightest. Because true. Is when you say look up at the sky, what do you see? And she's she's just choosing to look at that very specific point. But, he, but he's pointing it out to her. I think no. He he says, it, "Look in that corner of the sky." Yeah, like you're you're stood out and you're seeing the entire sky. Like you're in the back garden, you look at the entire sky. Someone said that corner. <laughs> what and does you, that mean? Yeah, and uh, and suddenly, in all clarity, is the Milky Way and nothing else around it. Just the Milky Way in that corner and there's a little bit in the middle which is, is a bit black. You don't say, oh, I see that little bit in the middle is a bit black. No, I wouldn't. 
<laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. She's seeing the hole and not the donut. Yeah. Oh, here Look we go. N- here we go. Now I've found the picture. <laughs> it is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. It looks like an eye. Yeah, I thought yeah, that's it's, it's very nice. Yeah. What, what she do you should see? say, oh, I see a big eye in the sky. What's <laughs> that? Yeah. And then he can explain. It's like, no, that's I the, mean, I'm that's talking a about billion souls that have perished. And yeah, I'm talking about the complete absence of light in there. So we've had this before on, on Doctor Who. I think it was one of the bad wolf referenced episodes. Maybe this was turn left, in fact, where like all of a sudden all the stars like click yep. get turned off. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Has the BBC never heard of like how light travels? Because <laughs> that's that <laughs> that is thousands of, if not millions, of light years away, right? That means we would still see the light for thousands, if not millions, of years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but this explosion <laughs> happened a thousand years ago, so it's possible. It's not a thousand light years away. Surely it's way, way further away. Well, I don't know. How far away is Andromeda? Oh, you, you know, I'm going to find out. <laughs> yeah. uh, this uh, is an educational podcast. As well. <laughs> uh, distance to Andromeda. I've, it could be in the thousand mark. I feel like most things, like even if we had light speed, are so too it, far away. So it is 2,537 million light years away. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. or, or, sorry, or possibly 2.537 million light years away. Regardless, it's, it's more than a thousand light years yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like basically, yeah, but that's our corner of space. Maybe their corner of space, everything's a bit Yeah, it's together. a very tightly packed supercluster. Yeah, that's how he's like leader of a thousand galaxies. Oh, because yeah. it's, a, yeah, yeah. it's, it's the, just a really small area. <laughs> it's, it's a part of the universe where every galaxy is like a neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> what to every galaxy is your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mishear something or make a weird assumption? I kind of thought he was emperor of all of humanity. Oh, really? I'm going to look him up. Hmm. Hey, what, what's his name? Oh, <laughs> oh they, shit. Porridge. <laughs> Yeah, go with porridge. <laughs> porridge. Does anyone know his name? Um, <laughs> the whole porridge. point is the Emperor's incredibly long something bollocks bullshit the 41st. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Emperor Emperor Ludens Nimrod Kendrick Cord Longstaff. <laughs> Sexual. <laughs> <laughs> Emperor mm-mm-mm. Defender of Humanity and the Imperator of Known Space. Yeah, he is Emperor of Humanity. Or as he says, Imperator. Yes. Is that the correct pronunciation? I would have said Imperator. Imperator. <laughs> well, it sounds a bit like imperative, doesn't it? But we're 2,000 years removed. Mm. So oh. yes, yes, they could be in a, a totally different section of space because obviously humanity is spread out. Mm. But yeah. Anyway. It's, all, it's not just of humanity, it's of all known space. All known space. Of the human race, surely. No, yeah, I don't think he's emperor of other species. Yeah, but I think they would have they would have thrown in a, a random alien in the the soldier crew, surely, if that was the implication. That is a good point, but all known spaces, I guess including what, like what space. humans know. Maybe we haven't come across any aliens. Everything they care to know. Yeah, like, and I'm sure there's other space, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> I mean, the fact that there is an emperor to begin with is already a step away from the democracy that we've yeah. had in in True. prior future humanity. Yeah, you and know? up till yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it, yes, also. Oh. <laughs> Damn it, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be Imperator after having spent years studying spondies and dactyls and trockies and iams. I think Imperator is. I'm sticking yes. with that. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yes. I have one final piece of trivia about the captain. Ooh. Played by Tamsin Uthwaite. 
Yes. <gasps> no way. Was her. that Tamsin Uthwaite? <laughs> Do you don't know who Tamsin Uthwaite is? Absolutely no idea. Who's Tamsin Uthwaite? <laughs> I don't know. It was pronounced like that. I, I think don't know. I've always called it Althwaite. Could be Althwaite. Oh right. Okay. I don't know. Is she from EastEnders? She's been in 575 <gasps> episodes of EastEnders. <gasps> oh Jesus. For 21 years. Love it, Nick. My piece of trivia is that this is her highest screen rank to date. She's been a sergeant, a DI, and a DCI in other TV series. <laughs> <laughs> Hands and up in the world. Wow, I did not spell her name correctly when I googled her. Is is that her? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if I just google her, I just, I just get like I mean, gossip pics. Yeah. Just lots of photos of the same woman. But she yeah, she was in EastEnders back when I used to watch it, which was like 20 years ago now. Mm. An actress known for EastEnders. She did, did she date Phil Mitchell? <laughs> I don't know. Probably. He's irresistible. I bet she did, yeah. Who's Phil Mitchell? Women women just can't get enough of Phil Mitchell. Random bit of trivia. Ooh. Because I, when they went up to the castle, I had weird Alton Tower vibes. And I had to look it up. Not Alton Towers in the slightest. But it is, interestingly enough, Castle Cock. Nice. Well, it's probably Castle Cock. Because it's Welsh. In a Welsh accent. You had a talking point? Talking point. I'm not going to participate in this talking point. This is all up to you three. Okay. The Impossible Girl, a mystery wrapped into an enigma, squeezed into a skirt that's just a little bit too tight. Yeah, that made my skin crawl a little bit. And I don't think she was wearing a tight skirt either. No. I'm sure I didn't know. I'm sure that um, other companions have worn tighter skirts. Probably. I'm sure I have no idea. Definitely did. Amy definitely did. There's certainly no one currently in Classic Who with traveling with Tom Baker, who's Uh, no, nope. Basically naked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really weirdly like sexualizing her when he's the episode has been focused on he doesn't see her like that. That's yeah. how she knew that it wasn't him when he was saying things like that. And then yeah, to throw that line in is so out of character for him and just really a bit horrid. Yeah, that's that's yeah. very accurate. Yeah. And the timing also strikes me as a bit weird because, and I am, I'm only saying this when I said I wasn't going to take part in this discussion because <laughs> it just occurred to me she is about to become incredibly important or her incredible importance throughout the doctor's life is about to be revealed so why undercut her now yeah, with this exactly she's, ju- uh. she's just been a general she's just controlled an army and been super fucking awesome at it and then now it's like oh yeah very pert yeah potential spoiler territory but later on when we get capaldi is there an element of like, are there sparks flying between the two? No, because we not have def- at all. we've definitely mentioned to force exactly sparks, and they but they weren't. There's it. definitely the line we've talked about the the line that she says that oh she's always fancied older men yeah. or something like that. So is is there a chance that maybe they were trying to ham fist that kind of relationship at this point? But I don't know. I don't know why because they then they brought in Mr. Pink quite quickly, and so she already, True, she yeah. had another like guy to have a relationship with. So yeah. So they didn't need to carry it on with Capaldi. So I don't, I don't know why they would. I think they just love throwing it in as yeah. a, a kind of in, like, your, in your head. You're going to go, will they, won't they, sort of thing. But it never really worked. But this isn't mm. so, yeah. Because the the kids as they leave talk about him being the boyfriend, like we we love your boyfriend or something like that. Yeah, it's just Clara's boyfriend. Yeah, as a total throwaway line. And I actually wonder, a bit devil's advocately, but wonder if the short skirt line is meant to be you kind of wondering oh did the cyber planner leave a bit of an impression behind oh, oh. i like it mm. because it's never 
it's never a thing with these two really no. like which is a bit a bit odd because this is a a single person yeah <laughs> and a, a doctor that looks the right age looks kind of it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like of, of any of them this could actually be the best kind of chance to do a romance thing but they don't and they stay away for it for the right reasons and then they just throw this random thing in it's either someone really wants to just kind of say oh the doctor always has to have a little bit of a question around where he fancies a companion throw in a line mm-hmm. or it's someone trying a bit harder to imply something about the cyber planet not working i like that as a retcon though mm. Mm. or it at least makes me feel slightly less bad about it he is then appalled at himself afterwards isn't he, he i'm sure he gets a bit of a shocked expression afterwards maybe oh i don't remember he gets really leery and then just kind of like oh oh no, oh, 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 no, I, no. I, I i got a boner in front of the camera <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. ratings let's <laughs> <laughs> And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Well then, well then, well then, what do I think about this episode? I think I do know for once what I think about this episode. I didn't like it. (laughs) 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 I think, strangely though, I wanted to like it. I I think I want to like the Cybermen in general, and I've really struggled to find episodes that I enjoy with them in it. It's quite annoying. (laughs) And this one really ham-fisted so much of it it was just oh so many ideas let's do this thing let's make them really fast oh let's upgrade it so they can stand up to the one weapon that supposedly destroyed them when they had a massive battle with them thousand years ago and no none of this makes sense none of this works when you just throw it all in the wall and expect something to stick and the kids are so annoying angie angie in particular bratty beyond belief just should have been taken back home like the second she stepped outside of a TARDIS and starts moaning, fuck it, you're going back in. Ha- holiday is cancelled, taking you back home. We're turning this car around. <laughs> exactly. I know you're not getting any ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will just leave this family behind and fuck off with the doctor throughout time and space. Why am I coming back? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I, I thought I knew I wanted to score this and now I, I'm just <laughs> feeling entirely negative. I might just knock a whole point off now. <gasps> a, are there saving graces? There's some interesting ideas definitely like the the doctor having a cyber thing in his head and having to battle against a version of himself sort of is an interesting idea i don't think it's fully executed to its ability a bit like how picard was assimilated yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly they ripped off a load of shit from the borg yeah definitely <laughs> and star trek in general Warwick <laughs> davis is kind of nice in this episode i, don't mm. I, I think he's slightly underused and the whole thing of him being the emperor i don't remember ever being a massive revelation at the time i certainly this time i kind of remember that he was but I'd, does anyone remember first time round where you thought oh, oh my god he's the emperor i was surprised yeah, yeah? i don't think i saw it come in okay okay then maybe maybe there is some merit in that i, I didn't remember. i didn't find it but the, the the production levels are pretty high they're trying their bloody socks off <laughs> but i didn't enjoy it I'm, I'm lowering my scores. Sod it. I was going to do a 1.5. I'm going to settle on a 1.2. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Oh, Cyber burn. Oh. Yeah. Downgrade in progress. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I've got one written, so I'll read it out. I first watched this episode late at night with the sound turned down a bit so as not to wake Abby, and the whole thing felt dampened. There was a disconnect, as usual, between the awesome numbers of Cybermen and their individual ineffectiveness against degrade military rejects. The visual failed to translate into the expected lethal force. The whirring assemblage of parts failed to cohere into a memorable act of villainous mischief. The recipe's ingredients felt desiccated, like I was popping so many dry space meal pills in search of some flavour. So I watched it again a second time with the sound turned way up concentrating and the first 20 minutes were passable and then after missy died it was just a chore as i said i did a bit of extra research for this episode i watched mirror mask a neil gaiman written film from 2005 and what jim said in his review really resonated i wanted to like this episode and that film a lot more i admired what they were trying to do and i wanted them to succeed but they did not Mm. I hated the resolution. It's a sort of force majeure slicing through a Gordian knot, and Doctor Who doesn't usually resort to gigantic fireballs. I mean, saying the sonic screwdriver was used in a sort of appropriate way, being an amplifying device, is the lamest excuse possible. So it just goes to show Neil Gaiman has days when he's a hack like the rest of us mere mortals, which is encouraging, I guess. (laughs) So I'm going to give it a 2.0. Okay. There were some clever bits. Not enough. Can I just put in here that Drew was saying off off recording that he was definitely going to rate this lower than closing time. Which he, he has. Which he has done. <laughs> but still not as low as we rated closing time. <laughs> <laughs> Marie, you or me? Yeah, you go. Uh, okay. I'm going to whiz through the Doc and CyberDoc and Clara and whatever. Doc is good. Occasionally, maybe too much Matt Smith, certainly in the case of CyberDoc. I enjoyed their interplay, but there was way too much of it. Already talked about that. Clara, incredible as the general. Obviously, shame about the whole the skirt comments undercutting it at the end, but she was great. I thoroughly enjoyed Clara in this one. Cybermen 2.0. It's a complete fail for me. I'm sorry. I didn't like the super speed. I didn't really understand the hand if it's not going to be used. If, if the hand can then travel around and do other stuff, great. But if it's just going to grab some person's face, <laughs> that's, yeah. that does nothing. But if, it, if that thing could somehow assimilate her, whatever. Like I wasn't a fan of the Cybermen. Maybe too much has been lined up for too short an episode or... Perhaps expectations of a Neil Gaiman written episode have simply been set too high. In general, I'm not super impressed by this. I have to mention the kids, obviously, didn't like them in this episode. And there have been cases where child actors in episodes have not dissuaded me from giving those episodes high marks. But this is not one such case. I could have done with more Warwick Davies and less playing chess. Anyway, Star Trek First Contact, this is not, so I'm giving this a 1.6, which is exactly the score that I'd written down before we even sat down. So it's down to Marie. (sighs) (laughs) 4.2. Clara is awesome. (laughs) Oh, you know me so well. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I re- I just really didn't enjoy this episode. I didn't realise it was Neil Gaiman until we started sat down to record, and I think I'm really glad that I didn't because you go in with high expectations, especially after I loved the Doctor's Wife. I think that's such a brilliant, well crafted episode. And then this does have a similar sort of feel. So they're on a planet that's deserted, and there's this carnivalesque vibe and and 
it kind of has a lot of the same ingredients but it just doesn't pull it off anywhere near as good there's just no characterization from anyone they introduce so many new characters that are all just completely flat with the exception of Warwick Davis I did like his character I thought he was quite warm I enjoyed him and Clara's like interactions but then again they shot themselves in the foot with the ending and they made it why why do they make everyone perv on Clara she's just doing her thing you know saving the planet being the boss um, being great and everyone's like oh marry me Clara oh I like your skirt Clara just leave the poor woman alone um, so, sorry rant over um, it's also a bit insulting to every other woman the Emperor's ever met like you're yeah. the first competent one I've ever come across <laughs> how insulting is it to the the god who's in the room with him by the way afterwards and was like oh well the, the, this this one earthling from the past just said no how about you would you be would you be interested <laughs> you're a woman <laughs> want to be my wife yeah no no <laughs> yeah that whole resolution again just too clean doc was almost unnecessary the whole chess game was unnecessary none of it mattered the children were terrible <laughs> really terrible <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> even when they weren't being terrible like i don't think it was all down to the right and i think i think the boy actually annoyed me more than the girl because his like his He's act- a little sucker. His acting was very sort of stilted and I don't know. He's very whiny. Well, Ugh. you've all said it already. The Cyberman had so much potential to be terrifying. And you you sit, put these things on paper and you go, yeah, they can evolve. They can um, adapt to anything that you throw at them. And that's that's a really scary thing. And then just how it was presented just didn't, just fell a little bit flat. So yeah, so I'm go- I'm not going to be as generous as any of you people. I'm going to give it. <laughs> oh, hello. I'm going for <laughs> a zero point eight. Zero point eight. <laughs> yes. Wow. Excellent. Oh, that's wonderful. Just to round it off. <laughs> Sorry, Neil. Maybe next podcast. Oh. Listener minis. Now let's hear from podcast land. Max two fifty, or it would get out of hand. So our first listener mini comes from. Star Wars Sil, Star Wars Sil, Star Wars Sil. Hello, Star Wars Sil. Hi, Star Wars Sil. Hello, Star Wars Sil. Hello, Star Wars Sil. Star Wars Sil begins. I am not very fond of this one. No, Star Wars Sil is not. (laughs) (laughs) And continuing, there is only one facet of this episode that I enjoyed. Warwick Davis is awesome, and I do enjoy his performance as the Emperor Porridge. But one very good thing isn't enough for me. Star Wars Sill saw one of the creepy dolls from the GOG complex. Mm-mm. But Star Wars Sill isn't sure if that's a plus or a minus. I mean, it's Cybermen again. Oh, but don't worry. We're supposed to be interested because this one is fast. <laughs> and the Cybermen have watched Adam's family since the last time we saw them. And <laughs> like disembodied hands now. Nice. Star Wars Sill gives us a rating of 0.9 Empress Clara's because Porridge's universe was robbed. Clara would have made a wonderful queen of the universe. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Short but sweet, Star Wars Sill. Yes. Very nice. Thank you very much, Sill. Good rating. Mm -mm. Do you agree, Podcast Land? But of course you do. Go online and tell Star Wars Sill that you do. Star Wars Sill can be found at Star Wars Sill. Thanks, Star Wars Sill. Thank you, Star Wars Sill. Okay, next up we have Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. 
Love you, Michael. <laughs> Michael had some things he liked. Mm-mm. A couple, anyway. Warwick Davis. Legend. Mm-mm. Next, the Cyberman playing chess. Okay. <laughs> uh, Michael also likes the return of the Cyberman's aversion to gold. Mm. Last seen on screen in the Seventh Doctor Adventure Silver Nemesis, whereby Ace pelts Cyberman with gold coins from a slingshot. Oh, that sounds awesome. Wonderfully lame. No. <laughs> <laughs> Michael also lists predominantly booze. Starting with the kids. Halfway through, I thought they had been deliberately annoying to soften the impact of their inevitable deaths. No human in Who history has survived cyber control until now. Sadly. Indeed. (laughs) The next beef is Borg and Bullet Time Cybermen. Hmm. If they have these abilities, why didn't they slaughter the Punishment Brigade? Yep. Mm -hmm. Michael's next beef concerns the Cyber Doctor. (laughs) Why so emotional? Why wasn't there just a regular cyber leader? Was this supposed to be a Gollum Smeagol thing? Did Matt Smith's agent negotiate this scene in as his audition for Skynet in Terminator Genesis? And how did he get the role on the back of this claptrap? The uh, doctor... Cyber doctor. Yes, Matt. (laughs) Is Michael's next? Babe. Why the cop-out ending? Why didn't the doctor zap the implant earlier? A final chess duel was done far better in Seventh Doctor Adventure, The Curse of Fenric. The child battle computer thing added nothing and was done far better in Seventh Doctor Adventure, Remembrance of the Daleks. On the plus side, the episode was most bearable when the kids were comatose. (laughs) True. And the final beef is actually a retcon, a fully populated amusement park. I wanted a Jurassic Park slash Westworld Michael Crichton bloodbath. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And Michael provides a summary. And I wouldn't have gotten away with it too, being a half-decent episode, if it weren't for those meddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael's rating is a 1.8 out of 5. And breaking that down to 0.5 for Warwick... And one point for the seventh doctor's appearance at the twenty-six minute mark. <laughs> wow! Oh yes! Wow! <laughs> well spotted, Michael. Awesome stuff, Michael. Thank you so much. Would you like to follow Michael on Twitter, Podcast Land? Of course you would. Please head on over to at bad underscore movie underscore club. <laughs> sorry, neighbours. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. And Michael, I might have to put you on timeout if you put that many Seventh Doctor references in the next <laughs> review. <laughs> right. Okay. And that's it for Listener Minis this time around. Thank you very much. Um, what have we got next? We have a classic Who episode, namely... The Robots of Death. Super duper legendary. Is it? Mm-mm. After which we have a new Who. We're heading back to Trenzalore for... The Name of the Doctor. Oh! <gasps> Ooh, ooh, ooh. Dun, dun, dun. And Withnail is in that as well, so yeah. I'm super excited. River's in the next one. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm. Exciting time. In the meantime, you can say hello to us on Twitter and or the interwebs in some way. Uh, Marie, you're not on Twitter, but correct me if I'm wrong. Can people email you somehow? I believe they can by emailing goodbyewhen at gmail.com Correctamundo and we will forward your emails Uh, Jim how about you I can be found at Jimmy the Who 
Ah, uh, Jimmy the what now? No, it's Jimmy the Who. That's right. <laughs> Drew? I'm a Drew McWen. Excellent branding. That's what you sound like. <laughs> <laughs> and I am at Ponkin for some inexplicable reason. Why are you there, Mr. Donahue? <laughs> <laughs> Drew, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, Podcast Land. You have been a wonderful audience. Until the next time, rock on. Be right next to each other and ciao ciao. Bye. See ya. Toodles. <laughs> Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when?